0: Hello, I'm Richard Ilseley and I research and write and teach care cap management techniques with universities and with companies around the world. And in this series of short podcasts, I'd like to share with you some of that learning from this experience and and also discuss some of the important aspects of of care cap management today. So welcome back. We're gonna talk about competitive strategy. And I think this is very important. You'll have heard the old expression, if you don't know where you're going, then any road will do. And I think competitive strategy is a little bit like that. If you don't have your competitive strategy defined, then it's hard to be sure about exactly what it is you should be doing. We'll talk in another session about creating the specific growth strategy for the key account. But before we do that, we need to have clarity about how we can compete in a more general way. Well, some commentators I read will tell us that we have to track our competitive competitors assiduously so that we can anticipate their every move and ensure that they, they can't steal an, an advantage over us. And These commentators generally recommend that we create uh, an internal team to monitor competitive activity and an internal communication system to report every bit of competitive intelligence we discover but others will tell us that we don't really need to worry about competitors at all. And all this tracking is just a waste of time because we should focus all our efforts on creating added value for the customer and that that in itself will ensure we're always a step ahead of our competitors. So two completely contrasting opinions. What is the answer? Well, I think the answer lies somewhere in the middle the reality of modern commercial life is that we just don't have these vast internal resources most companies are very lean some even to the point of emaciation so we just don't have the resources for complex competitive analysis on the other hand to completely ignore your competitors and their activity especially from the key accounts point of view that just can't make sense knowing what your competitors are doing and offering and and what their likely moves are going to be seems to me to be very important. So simply ignoring your competitors cannot be a sensible stance. And certainly your key accounts will be very interested in what your competitors have to offer. So competitive strategy has to be important. Um, And it's not just concerned with the way we're planning to position ourselves against our competitors. Um, It dictates what we're going to do and not do With the key account. So it becomes one of our guiding principles for developing the business with the customers. So, how do we think about and select our competitive strategy? How many options do we have available? To help us answer this question, we're going to turn to some of the work by Michael Porter, who's a strategy professor at Harvard Business School. Michael Porter has researched and written extensively on competitive strategy. And you can read his door-stopping tome on competitive strategy, called, appropriately enough, Competitive Strategy. He's not a marketing professor for nothing. Or you can just listen to this 10-minute podcast and perhaps save yourself a wee bit of time. So here we go, Competitive Strategy. Um, Although we might initially have thought that there's a, a very wide range of competitive strategic options, Porter points out that actually there are only three and this makes our job so much easier and the good news is that it's even easier than that because as we discuss each of these three options you will almost certainly discover that only one of the three is applicable to your situation the first option porter tells us about is the strategy favored by most salespeople and uh, pretty much every buyer i've met and that's to make it cheaper have you ever heard the salesperson lament the fact that if only the price was cheaper, he or she would be able to sell so much more? Well, of course you have. And you might have responded by saying that we can certainly make the price cheaper if we get rid of all the salespeople. But of course, that's a completely different story. So the, the first competitive strategy is to be the lowest cost producer and therefore to be able to beat everybody else on price and therefore win the business. Now, This might sound attractive, but we need to note that, well, a bit like the fastest gunfighter in the West, there can be only one. By definition, there's only one lowest cost producer, which means that if you're following this strategy, you better really be the lowest cost producer. Note also that becoming the lowest cost producer also means... Ruthlessly tearing out cost and designing all your processes and systems to remove cost. So I, I probably wasn't joking when I said that we don't need salespeople if we take the the lowest cost approach. We just need we don't need salespeople to tell the customer that we're the cheapest. Clearly, and by the way, also cheapest doesn't necessarily mean poor quality. It just means cheapest. Does this? strategy work well yes it does for the right customers we can think about ikea or the discount airlines for our examples ikea drives out cost by standardizing everything using mass production it uses flat pack design you have to pick the product off the shelf you provide your own transport you assemble the product at home the the discount airlines maintain a very strict scheduling policy um, if you've used them you'll be of used to being herded about like cattle, you get a tiny little seat, you pay extra for bringing along your bag, for selecting your seat, for breathing. Um, Is this strategy right for you? Well, probably not if your customer has not expressly geared up for low-cost production. If you retain your costs but continually cut price, then I'm afraid you're going to just end up being condemned to burn in Mordor. So Porter's second option is to dominate a niche. Um, what does this mean? Well, I live in a small village in England in my little village there's one hairdresser, one butcher, one gift shop, and so on it's a small village there's only one there's only room for for one hairdresser. So if you were a hairdresser, there'd be no point in you setting up shop in my village there's just not enough business to support two. You'd have to incur quite a bit of cost to establish yourself. And even if you were successful, there still wouldn't be enough business. So when we talk about a niche, we generally mean a very small sector, which can generally only support one or perhaps a very few suppliers who then become experts and where the costs of entering that small market mean that it's probably not worth it for other companies. So now we're running out of options because if lowest cost and niche supplier are not right for you, then all that's left is differentiation. In this approach, we make sure that we look different and we provide a different offer to the customer. And as a result, we make ourselves more attractive to the customer. We deliver more value to the customer. So we win more business. So we, we have to look different, but not just any old different. The difference must be something which the customer will find appealing. A supplier can claim differentiation because it it operates throughout the world. And this is clearly different to a competitor which only operates within the, the domestic market. But if the customer only operates within the domestic market, then international experience is probably not very interesting. Yet I still see many account managers proudly telling a domestic customer all about their worldwide operations. So being different in itself does not necessarily confer any advantage. Okay, so differentiation only works if the thing you're differentiating actually has meaning and value for the customer. If not, then it's just some stuff giving you more cost and you need to eliminate it. Of course, differentiation and value are very closely linked. If you've got it right, then the things which you differentiate will also be the things which bring value to the customer and for which, therefore, the customer is going to favour you and hopefully be prepared to to pay a premium. So, differentiation means something you have or something you do which provides clear benefits to the customer and, therefore, value to the customer. And so, the customer is likely to favour you over your competitors. Differentiation does not mean doing stuff that doesn't interest the customer or which adds no demonstrable value for the customer. Which means that when you think about your current differentiation, you need to be able to explain the customer benefits. If the customer can get the same benefits in a different way from another supplier, then again, you may have differentiation, but not differentiation, which is going to give you any competitive advantage. And it means that when you think about adding differentiation, you need to be able to explain what it does for the customer and why the customer should be so interested. Final example, just to make the point, let's say you're supplying industrial parts to medium-sized manufacturers and your system allows you to deliver to the customer every day whilst your competitors deliver every three days. Is this differentiation? Well, certainly. Does it confer any advantage to the customer? Will the customer favour you as a result? Well, if the customer carries little or no inventory, then it could be an important advantage. But if the customer typically carries a week of inventory, inventory, then probably no advantage at all. So when you explain your competitive differentiation explain it in terms of the measurable value it brings the customer okay well that's it for this session as ever let's have a couple of minutes just to pause and reflect and i'll let you know when our two minutes is up off we go and there's two minutes. So many thanks. Join me again next time. Until then, take care.